Welcome to the Everyday Mum Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fitzpatrick, and this podcast is for mums everywhere. It's a chat between real mums sharing what works, what doesn't, how they do life, and how they fill their cup. It's often the little changes that you make to your everyday that have the biggest impact. Sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode of the Everyday Mum Podcast and today we are talking to a super duper cool mum called Marina. Welcome Marina. Hello Heidi. How are Lovely you? Lovely to be here. Oh good, I'm so I'm glad. really good. I'm so glad you've taken the time to have a chat to me. I always love chatting to you. So I'm going to start with the first question and I've asked this of everyone. How much sleep did you get last night? Um. My kids are all older, so ah. I've got six hours sleep and that was just simply, I love eight or nine hours sleep, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, no, I'm the only one that keeps me awake now. <laughs> I love that. There's lots of mums out there listening that are totally jealous of you right now. <laughs> oh, yes, but it's, it does happen and if you're teaching your kids some independent skills and it's fantastic if you're teaching them to look after themselves at breakfast it's great that they get the independence and they get the choice of what they're actually going to be eating which makes them feel really good but you get the bonus of having the sleeping factor (laughs) (laughs) lovely just be prepared that you know if you're making a dry cereal and stuff they can't muck it up too much just have the vacuum cleaner ready or the mop and yeah, you'll be right. And get them to do that anyway. They need to understand how to clean up after each other. Oh, I totally agree. Do you know one of the first things that we taught our kids when they were big enough to like get themselves out of bed is how to turn the TV on, <laughs> which sounds terrible. Yes. But Saturday, Sunday mornings, we'd be like, or especially Sunday mornings, we'd you know go down and have a banana and turn the telly on. <laughs> and then we even went through a stage where we would pay the eldest one $2 to make sure the little ones had a banana. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, we did that too with the three older – because I've got four kids. Okay. And um, for the three older kids, we actually gave them an extra dollar a week and that was to be on jazz duty. So we've lived on acreage in the past and, you know, just having that factor Mm -hmm. that if I always had to keep an eye on where our babies were and if I couldn't literally see her, I would have to be handing over responsibility or calling out to the kids, can Mm -hmm. you see jazz? And, um, yeah, that was just part of our, you know, life strategy that we have to make sure, you know, jazzy is. Jazz cash. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And they knew that, you know, I'd sort of – because it could be something as simple as running through the lounge room that I had to go and do something out the back or whatever if the washing machine's doing something silly. Yeah. And and I'd just pinpoint a child and call out, you're on jazz duty, and you'd hear the groan. But, Mm. yeah, she's made it through to 11 years old, so obviously. Sorted. You're doing something right there. Yes. Absolutely. And tell me, so you mentioned you've got four children. How old are they? Um, they're 19, 18, about to turn 15, and um, the other one's turning 11, the youngest. Wow. So you have all the tips on teenage parenting that I probably need right about now. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, the parenting years, because I before having my own children, I'd nannied 
for 13 years. Okay. So I sort of thought that I, got, I had the advantage that I got to practice on other people's children. Mm-hmm. And the jobs that I gravitated to were the families that other nannies would run away from. So either they were colicky babies or they were children who were misbehaving and often they just hadn't heard the word no. Yes. So I'd perfected that by the time that my kids had come around. Mm-hmm. And um, then when we had, and I had always said to my husband, I'll, you know, I'll be the main parent until they get to their teenage years because at that stage I couldn't stand teenagers. I couldn't have a conversation. Like it was just, it was like aliens when I'd be, you know, <laughs> sort of when kids were little. And when I was nannying, I just had this, there was that buffer thing there. But when they're your own children who yes. grow into teenagers and we were, I suppose in one way it was fortunate, we had, um, when my eldest was about eight years old we started having all these friends gravitate to our house so it wasn't unusual for us to have anywhere between two or up to six extra kids on the weekends (laughs) and mainly because we had unlimited internet and they play runescape and you know then we had the pool so um yeah they'd all just come and hang over and I didn't mind having the sleepovers they were all together they all got along really well they all cleaned up after each other which was fantastic I think my house was cleaner when I had the extra kids there than when they weren't and that's when I started having the conversations with the kids and I realised, well, the teenage years are exactly the same as when they're sort of seven and eight and they're really starting to question, but I yep. suppose slam harder when you're a teenager. Yes, yes. <laughs> but they soon learn not to do that and they understand that um, if you're the type of parent that if you say that door will come off its hinges, that they know that you will literally grab a screwdriver and take the door off because then you can't slam it and then you have to, you know, build up your brownie points again to get your door back. But it, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've never had to do that. Yeah. And counting always worked and just Ooh, having yeah. a band. And it was the same and it, it wasn't so much a band to hold them back from – doing things that were important, like you wouldn't ban them from going to a school camp or going to friends' places and yep. things. It yep. was usually main, um, the main currency in our house was the internet. Oh, that's our currency. <laughs> we have the same currency. <laughs> I know. I remember yeah. growing up it was the telephone. My parents would say to me, you know, that's it, Heidi, you're not allowed to use the telephone. And I'd be like, oh. And now it's like, right, you've lost internet privileges. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't have to have the the arguments and the angst that comes with it. It's just simply that's the way it is. And if it's consistent, the kids know. Like, you know, I've got one daughter who would just turn around and say, I don't care if I haven't got the internet. And, you know, we had to find something else different for her. But she didn't really muck up that much. So mm-hmm. I think she did all of her screaming when she was two and three years old and she got it out of her system. Mm-hmm. So that's good. After they yeah and and it is about having that conversation with them and understanding um I was lucky I'd come across Steve Bidoff and because I was working with these little boys who were totally misunderstood and the communication with the parents was just crazy so of course you'd have these little sort of volcanoes that um 
parents of you know were living at the home mm-hmm. but then once taught the pet once I taught the children how to communicate with the parents yeah then everything started to flow yeah. and those lessons stood me through the teenage years yeah. and it just that I think the hardest part for me was making sure that you do step back mm-hmm. and allow them the space to make their mistakes and do their own thing my husband calls it lazy parenting Mm. that and that's the way sort of the independence side of things started in our house that I went out I'd be going out for babysitting and I'd have dinner and everything ready in the fridge and all they had to do was you know heat it up and it was all great I'd come home and the meal hasn't been eaten and I'm like okay first time they must have had takeaway or done something else or okay that's cool yeah and um then I asked my daughter about it and because my husband and I were living the lifestyle where you sort of you know like high five each other as one comes in the door and the other Ah, one goes yep you know as you do Mm -hmm. sort of when that's often the case and um, she said oh no when dad's looking after us at night it's Finn for, he calls Finn for yourself time which <laughs> I was talking about and she said oh no it's all right Jazzy always gets fed and I'm like okay that's great but they would actually go and prepare their own easy meals and because my kids had always been in the kitchen yeah. they'd be doing their homework at the kitchen counter so they'd be around food and I now have this 14 year old boy who He's a carnivore and the 11-year-old is um, a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So they're two entire – like I get my complete meal because I just have what both of them are having. But they actually like – they prefer cooking their own meals. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It is cool. <laughs> and that's – not say, can it be fend for yourself night? And it's like, okay, what are you making? <laughs> yeah, well, can you cook me? Thank you. I'm not fending tonight. You're fending for me. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And I love that you're, you know, that's just such great life skills to take further in their lives and setting them up to win. Do you know what I mean? It's when, you know, kids leave out, move out of home and they're like, I can't clean, I can't cook, I can't do this. And life's not like that. Yeah, well, my two eldest children came to me within a week of each other at the beginning of January First, my and told me that they were moving out. And first it was my daughter who had just finished her HSC mm-hmm. and she just walked into the room and said, Mum, I'm leaving home. And I went, oh, okay, you do realise you need a job to do that. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I'll get a job. And I said, because I'm not going to be funding you to live somewhere else. And she said, no, I'll have a job. And by the end of the week, and she'd had, of you know little part-time jobs here and there Mm -hmm. but by the end of the week she had found herself a job that was paying her a very decent wage and they um they had found a house I think there was originally five of them who all moved in together Mm -hmm. and um, you know, sort of five 17 and 18-year-olds, all the parents were standing back sort of holding their breath, waiting for (laughs) you know police to be called or you know, whatever. But they walked into it and Jamie actually took over and she said, okay, we need to have a roster before we move in. We need to have a roster. Everybody has to know like what cleaning and stuff they're going to be doing, which is the day that we're paying rent. This is what we have to do for the bins, who's on whatever. And she just had it all down pat and Mm -hmm. it was just purely that they had had the practice at home and they're probably better at taking their bins out than what we are. So. (laughs) 
That's great. That's awesome. I love that. I re- I really hope that when mine are big enough to leave home that they're like that because and you know it, oh I was just going to say even now sometimes if they're home and you know we're not here they make great choices but I'm pretty sure that our eldest and our third you know tear straight into the cupboard and go what can we do that's naughty <laughs> and the little one and the second one are like telling mum when she gets home <laughs> but you know maybe with time they'll get there oh and you've got to allow them to do that yeah so that you know the naughty I mean you know my eldest son sort of came home one day and he said oh mum you know sort of I'm on detention at school and it's like you're kidding me like you like he never does anything wrong he went out of bounds and he thought that was really cool and it's like with all the things that you could have done that's what you got on detention for and it was like okay like it was really no biggie because he was he was that was his testing he you know walked a meter outside the boundary line so I think he just you know I've got to be a rebel at some point in my life yeah well if he's going to be a rebel that's a good thing to be a rebel on as a parent you can deal with that one (laughs) yeah but the thing is when they tell you things like that, you need to react as if, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be going out of bounds and, you know, you mm. shouldn't disrespect the teachers and all that sort of thing. Whereas my husband and I behind closed doors are going, you have got to be kidding me. That's <laughs> it. All the nonsense that we got into when we were younger, but you can't give them that information yet. But yep. there's, they still, it's almost like there's, it's your duty to be horrified about some things so that they know where they stand. Like yes. what are the rules? As we slowly push our fences out sort mm-hmm. of, you know, so that we reach the adulthood, you know, sort of big leap, yeah. that, um, you know, they have that sense of right and wrong and the sense of looking after people and community and the world is bigger than just them. them and, yeah. That you're contributing. It's you know we start off with our little nuclear family, but you are actually part of something bigger. Yeah, and that's something that I've been sort of adamant about, sort of raising my kids because I have looked after children who you know just really have no idea about life, and I can see where they're having problems. So, and it horrifies me. It's like you're holding your children back mm. by not allowing them to be and to do things experience it was really interesting I was listening to my husband um because my eldest now you know pulls cars apart and does different things Mm -hmm. and my husband does have a different approach so rather than um you know sort of dad I need to change the carburetor or whatever my husband just turns around and says well what do you do Rather than, Dad, I need to change the carburetor, right, son, this is what you need to do, A, B, C, and D, mm-hmm. he's actually allowing my son to go through that discovery process. And the way our education curriculum is set up now, it's not so much the um, getting the content into our kids' heads, that it's teaching them, it's not what you learn. It's the fact that they are learning how to learn yes. so that they can be resilient, they can yes. be you know, little explorers, that they can get out there and discover things on their own. And that is what the basis of a good education is rather than just making sure that you know who the Prime Ministers of Australia is and yeah. all yeah. that our rivers in the state is because that way 
they know they can actually go and find out that information and how to process it themselves. Yep, yeah, life skills really, isn't it? Yeah, and I've seen so many parents who have held their children back because they want to, it is convenient and, you know, when I sit there and I'm, you know, going through when my kids were learning to cook and things and, you know, you'd go in and have a shower and you'd come back out and find the pizza dough half sort of dry on the kitchen bench. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, that's going to take us half an hour and be careful you don't chip off the varnish or whatever. Yeah. That. We do have to have the patience to give them that space. Yeah. And that, you know, that they have constant exposure to things. And that can be really hard when you're living a a busy modern life. And you have to make the time to let that happen. So instead of that ease factor of going and getting takeaway pizza, it's not that hard to put together a pizza dough and it's something that you can do as a family but it actually lets the kids physically get in touch with their food yep whereas if we just keep serving food up to our children then they are totally lost and that's when they make the bad choices yes as adults with food because they don't know how to prepare food for themselves you know it's one thing to be watching MasterChef and Jamie Oliver and all the shows that are on TV but if so they may have the knowledge but they haven't got the practice of actually doing it themselves or they end up living off noodles and cheese toasties for you know until mm-hmm. they meet someone who does actually cook yeah and wonder <laughs> why they don't feel great <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I- my son, my eldest son does have a really crappy diet and mm-hmm. I sit there and when he first moved out of home, it's like, have you had meat this week? Because he was living with two vegetarians. Okay. And, and he's like, no, 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 it's okay. And I started packing up, um, I started packing up freezer meals for him because my husband works away from home. Joe was work um, was down in uni, which is an hour and a half away. So he'd mm-hmm. lived down there during the week. Yeah. And, and that's probably one of the ideal things that I have ever done with my family. It saves on money, it saves on time, and it just allows for that flexibility of life so that you're having scrambled eggs on the odd nights. Do you mean making freezer meals? Yes. Yeah, good. Do do them in smaller portions if you do need the flexibility factor. Mm -hmm. And also they they defrost much quicker too. Yeah, (laughs) what do you freeze them in? What kind of containers um, do you like me, to I, I am I have to put up my hand and say I am part I am a, an official cult member of the lock and lock storage um, <laughs> and my kids know that like if somebody needs something outside that if they're going to grab a plastic container they can grab any of the other plastics they can even take the Tupperware do not touch my lock and lock boxes because they just all fit in nicely together. They do have a really good seal on them, yep. whereas with some of them, um, and I was really lucky. I found mine at one of those big discount department stores. It was okay. um, Harvey Norman used to have one. It was called Big Buys or something up here on the Sunshine Coast. Yep. Because I, I'm a real miser. Yep, love I it. I do things like um, – You've got four you kids. Know, you I, have to be <laughs> – yeah, well, I would, you know, most of our, when we did have all of the kids at home, my main freezer meal container would be a two-litre ice cream 
container yep. and that would be what we recycled because my plastics did go out the door. It's, you know, they are fantastic containers. They're built to be in the freezer mm-hmm. and it would just disappoint people if they thought that they were getting ice cream but it was spaghetti bowl or <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Because I knew what was in there and really, you know, whatever came out of there, you either throw rice or you throw pasta in a pot next to it. It's it's pretty simple. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was the right size to Mm -hmm. go. My um, pressure cooker died a few years ago. So I actually use, um, it's not a typical rice cooker. My mother-in-law gave it to me. and um, But you can do sort of other types of meals in it. It doesn't just do rice, like it okay. goes up to quite a high heat. So, um, yeah, I, it was the right size that I could just tip the container out, put that in there, leave that on for 15, 20 minutes, go about my business and I come back and everything's beautifully, you know, just give it a stir and sorted. it all fits out beautifully. So, um, yes, I would be lost. When we used to live out in country New South Wales and – uh, my husband had already moved to Queensland because my father was ill mm-hmm. and I said, no, no, staying until we get dad sorted out. And so every time that my husband would go back up to Queensland, he'd take a load with him in the ute <laughs> and it was down to pretty much nothing. And we knew that we were going to sort of indulge and go and get new furniture and everything when we got there. So it was all the basics. But he went to take my washing machine and he went to take my rice cooker and and I almost sort of dive-bombed him because he had them sitting <laughs> trolley to go through the house is don't you dare like I had my youngest still in nappies I cannot go through three weeks without a washing machine oh my and gosh because well, we had a, a Kia carnival so go and take one of the seats out of the car and I'll make sure because the washing machine can fit in quite easily because it had the sliding doors yeah and but do not take um the washing machine and it was my mother-in-law thought it was quite funny that um we actually arrived at the Gold Coast with a dirty load of washing already in the washing machine ready to go. We plugged it in <laughs> just, just as we were packing up the last bits. It was just, yeah, put it in the washing machine, put it in the washing machine. We know where it is. I love and, it. Um, yeah, it was, a, a, it was definitely a hilarious drive, but, oh, yeah, don't. I darling, please don't take my washing machine. No, well, as a mum of four, I – I'm the same. I wash every day. I could not live without a washing machine. And it's one of those things, you know, something will go wrong with it and you're like, oh, washing machine. My husband goes, call someone. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I can't wait two days. I need to wash clothes. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Down the dam with a rock. Yeah. I'll I'll give you the half a load. Oh, I don't know about that one. (laughs) We don't need a washing machine. Yeah. I love it. Go to a laundry mat. It's um, because it rains a lot on the Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. and um, and I, you know, sort of we'd go, there was one period here where we could go almost two weeks without sort of a sunny day to get the washing out. So I'd do bulk washing and sort of my husband and one of the kids would drop me off at the laundromat and, and I'd sit there and sort of just throw in, you know, anywhere between six and eight loads of washing into the dryers. Mm-hmm. I'd do it later. Sunday night and I'd actually sit down they're like oh you know we'll come home with us and I'm like no 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 I'll just stay here happy to have the peace <laughs> like, yeah and I it, 
was actually, I'd get home, everybody had their own clothes all folded up in their separate baskets and I could just say, get your basket out of the car because it's got to be there for tomorrow morning, like get be out yep. so that we um, jump in the car for school that it's all clear and it was fantastic and it was, it was just that nice methodical, you know, put a podcast on your phone mm-hmm. or um, I lis- listen to audio books. I haven't read oh. an actual book in the longest time and I really? love it. Just yeah. being able to seek into a bit of fantasy. and Go about um, your day. Yeah. I yeah. Love and that. especially when you're cleaning because I used oh, to Oh, yeah, clean. I'm the same. Yes. Yep, and I'd load up, um, I'd load up my phone with podcasts each week. And by the time I'd get to the end, one of my clients, you know, she was a five, six-hour clean because it was a massive house, and her husband said he can't understand it. And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "When you clean our toilets, you always laugh." He said, you know, you are the best cleaner, (laughs) that you are passionate about your work. And I looked at him and I thought, what on earth are you talking about? And then I realised because I listen to a lot of business podcasts. Yeah. And there's a really funny show that um, it was Tim Reed's um, Small Business Big Marketing and he and his offsider were just funny. Like they just had this great rapport and you would, you'd get into the conversation with them because you're immersed in this physical sort of labour stuff, but your brain's off with these guys Mm because really how many toilets can you clean and, you know, be totally possessed about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was just that was the timing. So, yeah, it used to make That's me funny. Laugh, Imagine their conversations around the table when you weren't there. What is Marina doing? What is she laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I love that. That's, that's great. And so tell me, when you became a new mum, what was one of the biggest struggles that you had? Like what was something that you found really challenging and how did you overcome that? Um. My first, we had home births with our first three children, okay. and the last one was born at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really lucky that I had my nanny experience when I had my first baby. Yep. And I, I think I returned to work at about day five or six wow. because I had. I actually returned to work to care for my original nanny babies who were hitting high school years Mm -hmm. and they just needed a chauffeur so it worked out for everybody and they said bring the baby with you and I went oh okay so I morphed into being a nanny mummy which was brilliant so managing sort of children was at that stage second nature to me I was really fortunate that breastfeeding came easily to Mm me and um, I think the biggest challenge wasn't so much with the first one we did have the issue that he was born with a fracture in his growing plate oh wow okay that later after we'd fix that that he used to sleep with his hand on his head so we think that he tried to come out with his hand on his head and it's like no honey you don't fit through that that. way (laughs) it hurts stop that (laughs) um, so yeah he was a nice long 28 hour labor oh yes um so, yeah, going through that medical side of things, but mm-hmm. again, I was fortunate because I had looked after children who were in hospital and I knew to trust my mummy instinct because yep. I'd been saying it to mums for 15 years. Yes. And that was really interesting because when in my nanny career that 
I had one mum who handed me a baby who was probably six, seven months old, and she said, I'll take her to the doctor today. She's got an ear infection. No outward signs of an ear infection, no, you know, sort of grumpy behaviour. She Mm. was eating fine and everything else. And I took her to the doctor thinking, oh, here we go, we've got a paranoid mum. And the doctor said she's got a flaming ear infection. Wow. There's something to this. Yeah. And I just noticed that, that mums, and mums would often doubt it. And and that's when I started saying to mums, well, what do you want to do? Because when um, I remember one mum who literally couldn't pick up her baby because she had a prolapsed bladder mm-hmm. and she's in tears about it. And I said, look, you know, just think of me as your extra pair of hands. And yeah. she was even – she was almost embarrassed about me changing the baby's nappy and putting it in the bin. And I'm like, no, this is this is what I do, sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put me in an office because I would just break out in hives. Yeah. Nappy, not a problem. No worries. And, um. Yeah, and she was, because she said, oh, you know, he sleeps in the swing all the time because they had one of those battery-operated oper- oh, yes. swings. Yep, I had one of them. <laughs> and baby also had colic, and I'm like, he needs to stop. Where do you want him to sleep? Mm-hmm. Do you want him to sleep next to you? And she said no because that's an issue if um, he needs to be moved or anything. Yep. And I said, well, do you want him to sleep in his cot? And she said yes. And she said, but before she actually got to that yes point, she kept asking me, well, what do you think? And I said, but you need to make that decision. He can be in a cot in your bedroom. We can set him up with a bassinet. All babies are different, but ultimately mums know. Mm -hmm. And some babies, they do need to have that totally blackened out room. And and you usually find that there's similarities with the parents' sleeping patterns as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for others, they need to be in a room with other siblings because they need that noise and that connection there. Mm-hmm. And for some of them, they might be like my son. He would sleep eight hours straight through as long as he could touch mum or dad. And if he didn't have that immediate contact, he'd be up every two hours. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we just made the compromise and we had um it's like a little eco bed in sort of between our two pillows so he had his own space Um, before I got that he would actually wiggle down underneath the doona and totally freak me out he only did that twice and I'm like no like the first time it was like oh that was a bit of a weird fluke and then the second time it's like no this is what you do (laughs) yeah into a corner scary use pillows and things because they'll go underneath them or they'll you know suffocate themselves because if their faces are covered that's when you get the SIDS issues Mm -hmm. and yeah so there's always a way to get around a situation but the main thing and this is what I've always said to mums is what do you think what do you want to do not what your mum thinks not what your mother-in-law thinks not what your sister your best friend thinks it's what you you and your husband think because yeah. you know the child best and um, I call it the invisible umbilical cord. You know, mm-hmm. these kids are like on a bungee cord attached to us and they can be doing something. We know when our kids are in danger. Yeah, no, I <laughs> agree. I, yeah, I love that. I love that, what you're That's saying. And, and they pluck on it. And when you've got four of them, you can be put, feel like you're being pulled in different directions. <laughs> you know, it's exhausting. Like, yeah, like a serenade, will you? Because 
Yeah, it's it it would be just trust your instinct and believe in your believe in your skills as a mum. You Mm. don't have to read all the books. You don't if you have grown to full adulthood, then you've got your basic life skills. Yeah. And when it comes to babies and children, it's very much along the same sort of lines that, you know, kids need to be cuddled, they need to be listened to, they need to um, they need to know that they count with someone. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like I've had, you know, conversations with nannies and sort of other parents that, oh, you know, sort of my nanny parents, that they don't spend very much time with their children. Why on earth did they bother having them in the first place? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, that just really sucks that you think that way. <laughs> because yeah. I'm expensive for my nanny parents. Because I would see with some of them, they were disconnected when I'd start because I would work for these families where, you know, the kids were ruling the roost. Yep. But often it was just simply that the parents either didn't have confidence in their parenting skills mm-hmm. or they just had no idea what yeah. to do. And yep. so they would just, you know, outsource it like they did everything else in their lives. Yep. Then once, um, I, ha- I remember one family I worked for, They, when I first started, they had four nannies because they'd have wow. a day nanny, a night nanny, a weekend day nanny, and a weekend night nanny. Wow. And I thought, you've got money to burn. Yeah, hello. <laughs> what it was was that they didn't know how to communicate with their children mm-hmm. and they were almost scared of them. And when I started working for them, because I I went to the I went for the like the induction sort of you know you show up the first day you get shown where play groups are and those sorts of things. Yep. And we were heading out the front gate, and this little three-year-old boy who had extremely good word skills, and he was just being totally defiant and being <laughs> wretched to his mother. And the baby was in the pram. We got out the front gate because they had this really high. Sort of brick fence. We went through the gate and he just started carrying on like a pork chop. And I just said, just excuse me for a minute. And I took him by the hand, went back inside. I said, you have to go and just hold on to the pram, listen to your mum, or we can't ever go out anywhere. Because if your mum doesn't show us where to go now, we're stuck at home <laughs> and that will be boring. So will you please go and listen to your mum? And he just, he looked at me and it's like, and I thought, no one has ever held you accountable for anything. Yes, okay. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what did he do? He went out, held on to the, the pram. pram. <laughs> and my God, mum, who have you brought into my life? And and they were fantastic. And she, she looked at me and she just mouthed, thank you. How'd you do and, that? <laughs> yeah. And she said that, um, because with that particular mum, she wasn't happy in her job. And, you know, mums chat to you at the end of the day, whether you're a live-in or a live-out nanny, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just that friendly face. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she was had little things that, you know, you'd always say, how was your day? And they'd tell you. And I said, you do, because I got to the point, I think I'd had a really full-on day, and, and they lived in a very affluent part of Sydney and, you know, they had money. Like looking at, and I actually said to her, 
you do realise you don't have to work for these people. Yeah. It looked at me like that idea had never occurred to her. Yeah, okay. Why don't you just find someone, like you are amazing at what you do. Mm -hmm. Why don't you find someone who actually values what you do? Mm -hmm. And I walked down and and I just thought, I'm going to get the sack. Like you don't talk to (laughs) any employers like Two weeks later, she said, I've quit my job. Wow. And she said, I'll break for a while. And I thought, oh, aren't I clever? I've just given myself the sack. (laughs) (laughs) And then she must have seen the look on my face. And she said, but you're staying on. You can stay on, can't you? And I went, yeah, if you're paying me, yeah, I'll be here. And um, so she actually took three months off work, which was hard for me because she just do whatever she liked when she felt like it, whereas mm-hmm. we had very strict yes, routines. routines. I'm a routine nanny. Throw 20 children at me and allow us to have a routine and everything will be fine. fine. Yeah, okay. And, and, yeah, I can hold everything together and go through any crisis. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a holiday nanny. Like I've got girlfriends who are fantastic. They're great at being spontaneous. They're great at being flexible and yeah. having adventurous experiences yeah that's not me yeah (laughs) isn't it funny how we're all hardwired different some people like routines some people like checklists some people just fly by the seat of their pants and that's you know it's just their personality yeah well with this particular mum she said at the end she was going back to work and she found a job that she really loved and she actually stayed with that company for about I think it was 16 or 17 years so it was a fantastic for her yeah and um she'd when she had returned to work she said marina the best thing about having those three months off work was actually being able to see how you dealt with my son Mm. and she was so much more confident with them after that and she wasn't afraid to say no to them and within three months of me working for them they had lost all of their other nannies because they were okay with being around their kids on the weekends and they actually to me it's that net Mary Poppins moment where you know the family Mm. all comes back and are connected together that that's what a good nanny does that they actually foster the family relationships yeah and, and we need to do that for our own families, that you yeah, are. Absolutely. Sometimes you feel like you're sort of, you know, you're the bucket keeper. You've got to make sure that everybody's emotional buckets are all filled up and, yep. you know, that there's no leaks. And <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's really true. How do we true. plug it up and how do we support them and how do we teach them? Because you can't fix things for our children and have it always be effective, that we need to teach them the skills so that they can achieve things in their lives. And that actually makes them so much more empowered oh, than yes. giving them an easy life. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier, like, you know, it's, it's hard to sometimes sit back and let them go and experience things because they're not going to get it right every time. And they're not going to win at everything, but that's that's just as important as winning as losing. Do you know what I mean? Like to experience that, oh, that didn't work, and, and to watch them knowing that that's not going to happen, but otherwise they haven't got that skill moving forward in their lives. Yeah, and you don't just go throwing them in the deep end. One of the things that, um, like before we left our children home alone, which mm-hmm. we do, so for short periods of time, if we were going out for two hours, mm-hmm. you 
to be um, you would have to be at least twelve years old. Mm-hmm. You would need to know not only mum and dad's mobile number off by heart, but you also needed to know nan and pop's home and mobile number. Mm-hmm. And who else, you know, which neighbour would you go to if there was a fire at the house? Yep. And because we lived on acreage and our kids have grown up around snakes, it's like, what do you do if you see a snake? What yeah. do you do if there's a like, what do you do if? Yep. So we used to play all these scenarios all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your street address? You know, the whole yeah. lot. And, um, you know, you need to build them up for that. So it isn't just a case of, okay, you know, let's throw you in the ocean and see if you swim. <laughs> you need to be building up those little increments of responsibility um, and understanding. Yeah. 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 And the, it's the understanding factor that um, my eldest, he was funny, I think it was about the age of five. He first came to us and said, Mum, what do I have to do to leave home? Which crushed me. It's like, oh my God, terrible mother. And it's like, no, you're just an independent soul. And he has been like that the whole way through. So you have to have your four weeks bond. You've got to have your two weeks in advance for rent. You need to have this, that and the other. And and you could see him actually taking a mental note. And all of the kids have understood that, like they've built up. And when it, it came the time for the kids to move out, they pretty much knew everything because it was just this constant, um, I call it professional nagging, mm-hmm. that, you know, it was very, very handy when I was um, nannying that you, and you deliver the information in an even tone. I think that's one of the biggest things that's teenagers yeah. and children, you know, older children, especially when they're challenging us, can be infuriating mm-hmm. because they are our children. They're like a mirror. They reflect <laughs> Yes. ourselves to us yes they do and they know which buttons <laughs> to push you know yes, they even do. if it's just an eyebrow like don't <laughs> say that don't even think that I know what you're thinking yeah so I agree you need yeah you need to allow them to um yeah just try little things to start off with and so that they can build up their build up their own confidence so like with our um, the first time that we had left our son at home alone, he was, you know, convinced that, yes, everything would be all right. He was all fine. And he'd cut his the bottom of his foot on um, – he was pulling computers and things apart. So he stepped onto this computer part and mm. it actually sliced him and he had sort of blood loss. Yeah. Not major, but it was messy. Yeah. And <laughs> He rang us on the phone, but I was at the back of our shopping centre where you don't get phone coverage. Oh. <laughs> so when I got out to the car park, there were all these messages and the messages were like, Mum! I'm bleeding to death. I've got to get home, but we've got to buy meat. No, I don't care. We've got to go home. Joe's hurt himself. Got home and he had dealt with it. I said, yeah. what did you do? He said, I cut my foot. I went, Okay. Like, and I looked at it and I went, wow, like it wasn't quite needing stitches, but it was close. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's like it was very nonchalant sort of when we got home that he had done the right thing. He had put pressure on it. He had washed his foot, made sure there was nothing in it, put a pad on it, sort of wrapped it up. God, love him. And then he gathered himself. But I kept that message on my phone. It was probably a year later I would listen to it every now and then just going – what did I do to him? Like, that's just horrible. Oh, so it's um, – sorry, I'm just going to move away from my other home phone. It never stops as oh, mum's life. Tell me about it. Yes. So, yeah, they're, 
um, we need to allow them, you know, and I could have gone from one extreme. So, yep. you know, my instinct was wrap him up in cotton wool and never let him do that again. Yeah. But instead of me getting emotional about it, it was just simply, oh, my God, you did all the right thing. Good job. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, went and had a cry with my husband, feeling like the absolute worst mother on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, but you know those, those worst mother on the planet. I was talking to a friend the other day about you know how when they're little and you just I had one one night and she you know really unsettled and and I couldn't figure out why. And the next morning when I took her bond suit off, there was a piece of Lego in her bond suit. <laughs> Don't know yeah. how it got there, but it must have been pushing on her leg all night. And every time she's like moved in her sleep, it's annoyed her, so she's cried. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's just things like that happen. They're okay at the end of the day sorry about that <laughs> yeah like when you know about it that you deal with it yeah. no, I've got a I girlfriend just... whose son said mum I've got a pin in my hand and we couldn't see it he could move his finger and she even had me look at it and I'm like oh, it seems all right but you know take him down if he's saying he's got a pin in his hand and he would have been 14 15 we suspect <laughs> now that he was doing something really silly to get something like that in his hand okay. but yeah they went and did the x-rays and sure enough he had a pin in it? his hand it was um on if you're looking at your palm it was mm -hmm. in that fleshy bit sort of at the end so we're thinking that he was sitting there watching a movie or something and slowly pushing it in there but didn't realize what he was doing and then oh. Maybe it was just one of the kids do random things. I have no, not really. Yeah. No, it was because um, wow. that's a that um, this is you know here's some trivia for you. Ooh. If you, I've worked with a lot of biters, which is why I know this information. Mm. But that part of your hand is actually, even though you can feel things if you're poking it and things, mm. it's actually the least. Um, the least sensitive part of your hand. So if someone's going to oh. bite you, that's the best place to let them bite you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tip to all mums out there. <laughs> I'm going to bite you here, bite you this, bite and this then they bite you and they go, it's having no effect. Wow. All right, but I won't ever bother doing that again then. That's... You've just taken a challenge out of it for me, Marina. That's funny. So, well, it's, it's, you know, kids do do silly things. I had um, Hamish at the doctor's once, so I was checking his ears, and they're like, He's got blue tack in his ear. I was like, sorry. Yes. <laughs> He's got blue stuff in his ear. And I was like, Hamish. And he goes, I lost it. And I'm like, oh, can you get that out, please? And I didn't even know it was in there. And I said, can you hear properly? Yeah. He goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, goodness me. It's just sort of stuck in that little pocket there. It's like funny. kids do, uh, yeah, they random bizarre, bizarre things. things. We all did it. We all did it. That's how they learn. Yeah. But tell me, how do you guys handle housework in your house? Have you got any time hacks or tricks or organisational tricks that makes, you know, life a little bit easier at home and gives you a little bit more time in your day? Um, that everybody has to pitch in. Yes. So Love I that. have a fairly high tolerance. I didn't used to, but I've built it up. I have a fairly high tolerance to mess, which looking around my house at this moment because mm -hmm. I'm re sort of organising rooms and stuff, that's probably not a good thing in my life at the moment. <laughs> but when um, basically I would call just before we have dinner 
mm-hmm. I'd call a clean-up time. So I'm very relaxed about who's doing what. As long as you've got your jobs done, like as soon as you walk in the door, if it's your turn to put away the washing up or do whatever, yep. you go do that first. Then you mm-hmm. get your afternoon tea. Then you do whatever you like. Yep. And then about half an hour before dinner, I would call clean-up time. So mm-hmm. everybody pitches in. Yep. And because there's so many of us, yes. <laughs> If we all do 15 minutes each, then we've actually got an hour and a half done. done. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a slow progression. So, you know, like we've got these long bench seats um, for our dining table. So that's where the folded washing would go Mm because essentially you can't sit down to eat your dinner unless you've put your washing washing away. Oh, I love that one. um, It's sort of following... Because I used to do house organising as well with my nanny stuff. Yep. And one of the things that I found is that um, when I first started, I thought, oh, this is fun because it's like playing with a doll's house, right? But you get to play with other people's houses and they've got beautiful (laughs) things and you go, yeah, this is fun. I get to rearrange everything. But if they weren't – if you weren't following the pattern of what the family were doing anyway, it just wouldn't stick. Yep. Whereas I would watch where dad would drop his keys, where mum would drop her handbag, where the kids were dumping their school bags. So mm-hmm. there's little things. You just look at their routines of how they're actually behaving. Mm-hmm. And you look at where the chaos is. If the problem is that the Lego is absolutely everywhere, mm-hmm. you have a special shelf that the kids can put a creation on so mm-hmm. everyone can admire it and see it and the little brothers and sisters can't reach it. Mm-hmm. Everything. When you have finished playing, it has to go back into the box. Or if you're pulling the pieces out, that it goes onto the lid of the box so it's really easy to tip it back in when you're finished. Or at least it can go, like if you're just stopping while you're having dinner, at least it's contained to a smaller area rather than being absolutely everywhere. Everywhere. And then you start saying words that you don't want your child to repeat at the supermarket (laughs) checkout. So um, it's. Yeah, understanding and looking at what the practices are in your home Yep. so that if people keep looking for their keys but they tend to get dumped in one spot, to strengthen your organisation in your home, if you can give things meaning. So there's a, oh, I can't think of his name, I think it's William Morris mm-hmm. said that don't keep anything in your home that doesn't give you um, beauty or of you know practicality basically yeah so if something doesn't make you feel good don't have it in your home yep and so if you are to have a basket that holds your keys and things it's actually going to be more effective for your family when it is a special item and they can build up emotional connections to it over time yeah and this is something where you know it can be something funny it could be um you know for us we have my husband is totally random and we live in a house where we have um, <laughs> it's it's a house that looks like it's sandstone but it's actually made out of concrete bricks and it's in this old sort of colonial type style. Mm-hmm. I have a wagon wheel light fitting in the middle of my lounge room <laughs> and when we first moved in we ended up with the black angry bird toy mm-hmm. sitting up on there and pirate Pete which is a puppet that my husband had sort of pull out and sort of, you know, 
play with the kids with. Mm-hmm. And because he's not away, just simply by having Pirate Pete up there, which I know people have come into my house and looked up at my weird light fitting, <laughs> which is weird for a start, like, you know, how many people have wagon wheels with lights sitting off it yeah. in the first place? And and then there's also an Angry Bird and, you know, Pirate Pete staring down at you. But thankfully, it's mainly kids who come to this house, so they just think it's really cool. <laughs> but there's it's little things like that that what you see in your environment mm-hmm. even though that annoys the bejeebas out of me that that's up there like that's that really affects the OCD part of me so I just block it out yeah and but for the kids dad is always present in the room yeah by having the pirate Pete puppet up there yeah so for us with this ceramic bunny that we used to pull out at Easter time and it would just magically appear with, you know, someone's special Easter egg in there, mm-hmm. that the Easter bunny can now stay out all year because we move, you know, well, the story is with our family is that we move around so much and, you know, that Easter bunny wanted to stay out. So that bunny actually captures all the keys. Mm-hmm. And if I just had a particular basket that we put keys or something into or a box, I'd probably get more requests about the keys whereas the kids have this weird connection with this bunny basket yeah and like you know and it's like well where is it the bunny's got it and the bunny's looking after the keys so they're all safe and it's just my husband's keys need a bunny basket (laughs) yeah and it's just something that's special to the family that's great and and that's great to have that sitting up there. And he actually sits. I think it's really important that we have images, especially in this busy modern society that we're all raising our kids in, mm-hmm. that you have connections to family who you may not see all the time. Yep. And and also those who have passed and gone before us. Yeah. So when we have images of our family there, it's actually giving our kids very deep roots yep. that they belong to, you know, I've got one child who really has this thing about, oh, we're McCutcheson's. <laughs> yep. It's like, where has that come from? Like he sounds like a pirate, but it's just <laughs> all this, you know, that camaraderie thing and, you know, anytime there's a challenge there, we're right, we can get through this, we can do it because we're McCutcheson's. And he's never really heard anyone say that yeah but he does I have always harped on about family like if they're um if they're going somewhere or doing something and someone's feeling left out like when we had all these sort of kids running around the place it would be easy for a little brother or sister to be isolated that um and sometimes it would be the other kids if they didn't particularly fit a you know a mold Mm -hmm. then it's like you know you've got to make sure that you accommodate for everybody because it's, you know, we are part of this bigger unit. And when our kids understand that, they have more tolerance for yep. anything that's going on around them. Yep. They have, especially if they have siblings or they have animals to take care of, that they do have some compassion and empathy for yes. those who are um, more vulnerable yes. than what they are. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, having those sort of just having those images out the kids will actually ask you for stories about, about where people have come from. What did they used to do? And yeah. then it's often they will see similarities themselves yep. in family members. And if they aren't feeling like there's 
because you know it doesn't matter if you look exactly the same as your whole family and you all have the same skills Mm -hmm. there is always going to be a time in your child's life where they will feel a little bit disconnected Mm -hmm. if they can see that they belong somewhere and that someone believes in them because that's all it takes like I've seen kids who have grown up in some of the worst circumstances and they have gone on to be really productive and um, you know resilient and successful people mm-hmm. and it's simply that along the way they have not lost their self-belief because someone has told them at some point and it's not just oh you know you're a good boy or you know you're really clever or those sorts of things it's more the give it a go mate because I bet you can do it yeah I love that. That whisper, and even if they can't do it, you gave it a go. Yes. And and that's that whole thing about learning, you've got to give it a go. Yeah. It's about learning how to do something. You don't necessarily have to have the accomplishment. Absolutely. And we try to do that with our kids. We try to say, you know, we have a weekly meeting with our kids and we say, you know, what did you fail at this week? Because we want them to try things that they're not just going to be great at all the time. And so it's kind of a celebrating a failure thing to grow forward. And they're like, you know, Tilly will say, oh, I lost I lost every game of bat tennis. I'm not very good at bat tennis, but I'm going to try to be better. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of pushing you out yeah. of that comfort zone and growing a little bit and celebrating a failure because a failure is something that you have pushed yourself out there to try something different. So I love that. That's good. And and you're treasuring the fact that they are trying. Yes. And that's where your kids will be resilient because that's what's revered in your family. Yeah. Whereas if they grow up in a family where you know you are only acknowledged and um, you know sort of loved mm-hmm. when you are achieving then that's when, you know, it's the kids that have the top scores in the HSC and you find out five, six years later that they're janitors or, you know, mm. they've they've lost the, oh, that self-motivation to determine what they want yeah. to do in life. Absolutely. And, and it has to be self-led. I think where kids are going to go, you know, to for them to self-lead where they want to be and take the risks and have their own direction, which which goes back to exactly what you were talking about before about independence and responsibility and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think that we're both on the very similar pages with that with our kids. Yeah, and as they get, I think with one of the teen things, because I'd... I think the two oldest boys who were always here, my son and um, one of the one of his mates, they'd come down after like their graduation day, and they were going to their graduation sort of like the party and stuff that night. And um, they dropped something off to me, and I said, "You two do realise that you go and have your party, and this may sound very harsh, and I do put my hand up and say I go for the title of meanest mother in the world." <laughs> Never, you know, go against me. Yeah, it's like because I'll say that when I'm doing something that they don't like, and then they will turn around just to try and prove me wrong and say, "No, you're not the meanest mother in the world." <laughs> like, oh, really? Oh, dumb. And um, but I'd actually said to them, "You do realise you have graduated from high school now, which means there are no more holidays until you get a job. From this moment onwards." you are just unemployed. And they looked at me like, oh, that's a bit harsh, like can't we have our party first? Yeah. But I could 
see, like all these conversations that these kids were having, they were making plans to just basically go and do nothing for the yep. next three months. Yep. And I said, get out and get a part-time job so that you can pay for those fun things that you want to go and do mm-hmm. because it's not, you know, we literally cannot afford it. Yes. I want you to have good experiences. Get out there and experience life. Yes. But, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, they thought it was. Of course, they had to. That they were watching out when my second child was coming up to her graduation period, and they said, "Did you give Jamie the lecture yet?" But you know, (laughs) and it must have stuck with them because it was a year later, and both of them came up to me and said, "You know, have you said to the other one that?" Yeah, they listened. They probably couldn't wait to say it to their sister. (laughs) You're just officially unemployed now. I love it. That's just too funny. It's so, it's so yeah. true though. So true. So true. Yeah. And it, there wasn't any pressure to mm-hmm. go, like it wasn't, um, I think it's labelling. That's the biggest mistake that I see parents make mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I feel like shaking them that um, when they call their kids names, like you're an idiot, you're this. Ah, yeah. Idiot. Yep. And it's like, no, you've done something idiotic because sometimes they do do idiotic things, mm-hmm. but they we are not do. idiot, you know, yes. and and it can be very hard in that, you know, sort of time of passion, especially when they've gone and done something really dangerous or, you know, they've ruined something that's going to cost you money and or inconvenience or mm-hmm. whatever. But, yeah, we just have to be careful. And it starts when they're little yes. that we do not label them with derogatory terms because our kids actually embrace what we're saying to them so you know I I know this highly intelligent boy who has been called an idiot since he was two years old and he's not very productive and it's like well he is being exactly what you wanted him to be yeah you you can't expect anything else from them and it's not that you lie to them like you don't tell them they're clever little bunnies if you know they're not um it's about encouraging and, oh, you know, that's really cool. You did that well. And, you know, okay, well, what have you learned? Out? Yeah, you stuffed up, mate. Yeah. You have to deal with that. Yeah. What have you learned from it? What are you are going to do or not going to do next time? Yeah. And, like, our boys go out um, as soon as they all got their licences. That was it. They all wanted to go four-wheel driving. And <laughs> they'd go four-wheel driving at night time. And I'm like, okay, I would tell them how much, because we have our own four-wheel drive. We had a Land Cruiser and it's got a winch. So, gee, if you get bogged somewhere, what are you going to do? You're going to call mum because she'll bring the Land Cruiser with the winch. Yeah. And it's like, no, I only have a quarter tank of petrol because they'd go out far away from home. And I'd say you your last SOS call has to take place before 10 o'clock because that's what time the service station closes. (laughs) And have you got, like I would go through them, what is it that you have to do? What are the things that can happen with you when you're out four-wheel driving? What will you do? Who's got the first aid kit? What do you Yeah. Have to pull someone out. Where do you put it? No, you don't put it on the bumper bar. No, we learnt that, Mum. We did that on on Thingo's car and pulled the bumper bar off. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and it's really good. Like there was, 
oh, it would have been about 11 o'clock at night and I heard one of the cars pull up and I'm always on alert, just waiting. Yeah. Waiting for the call. And there was only one car and it's like, oh, no, that's not good. There should be another three or four following them. And you hear the garage door go up and they go and get bits and pieces and they'd got the extra tow ropes and things out. And, you know, and I'd always say to them when they're going out, have you got this? Have you got that? And they knew not to get me. They To bring it out. They could deal with it themselves. Oh, look, I'll go back and get the tow rope and... Yeah, or we need the shovel to dig out or mm-hmm. do whatever. But it is about giving them that information. It's prior knowledge. Yes, you know, when you've setting got them up. Of something, you're not going to panic no. and you get through different things. And you go through on automatic because when you are in crisis, and this is the same, like I know parents who have lost children because they didn't know basic CPR, yeah, and and that's devastating. You know, they've either ended up with a ch- they've lost the child completely, or they've ended up with brain damage. Mm. And yes, it can be inconvenient if that pool gate is left shut because you know people are you're having to get up and down to let kids in and out. Yeah. But those gates are there for a reason. Yeah, and you know, and we have to really care for our children and and protect them, and um. Yeah, but we need to have that knowledge too because you can't rely on anyone else. It's It may be you that has to step up and it may not be your child, it may be someone else's while another parent is panicking but you're the one that's dealing with some emergency that you're actually able to help them through it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, get your first aid certificate if you're a parent. <laughs> yes, absolutely, definitely. Or when, when you know, when you first have your kids, you do that paediatric first aid and that that's amazing, that course. I definitely recommend that one as well. I think I did that when I was pregnant yeah, with my first oh, one. Definitely. And just trust your instinct. You yes. are the best parent for, for your, your children. Own. Yes. I've had that said to me so many times and I think I've used that one a few times as well. But, no, that's true. You are amazing, Marina. You have so – I could sit and talk to you all day. You've got so much wealth of knowledge about children and parenting and looking after them and, you know, getting things done and that's amazing. Lots of experience. I love it. Yeah. When oh, look, I'd much rather go and hang out with the little elves and fairies than <laughs> hang out with grown-ups. I don't last long at parties. Oh, I tell you what, though, I'll probably be calling you when uh, we've only got our eldest is 14, so we're only starting to get into that, so I'll be like, you'll be on speed dial now. So what about this one? What about that one? <laughs> but listen, so everyone – sorry? With teenagers, it's basically looking at it as – that they are young adults. How yeah. would you like to be treated? Yeah, well, they, you know, we're definitely going down that one. Yeah, but having a seven-year-old and a fourteen-year-old, they're two kind of different worlds. So it's still definitely a learning zone going through it. The first one, I think. But yeah, no, look, we've always treated our kids like that. So you know, little people, how would they feel? But wow, they've yeah. got opinions. Oh, but they're <laughs> That's why they're your kids. You know, That's I could right. not sit here and say. Oh, parenting! Oh, that's such an easy ride. Like, the, and it was really funny when I first went through menopause. I knew that it was menopause when I was standing at the kitchen sink, and the kids had been at school all day. It wasn't as if they were like under my feet and annoying me. And I saw them coming up the the driveway, and I was just like, "Oh, please, someone take my children." <laughs> I just did conversation, and then I thought. 
there's something wrong with me because that's and, – and I had to laugh because when I was talking to my girlfriends, it's a case of um, – you know, I actually got to that point where I said, someone take my children and my girlfriends were just laughing their heads off because they were saying that when their kids were two. And, <laughs> and I'd say, give them to me. They can come and play with me because that was cool. That was my area of, you know. Yeah, expertise. Um, that's my world. Yes. Yeah. Whereas I didn't like that world anymore. So there must be something really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. Now, listen, tell it. So you run a business online called Healthy Wealthy Mums. Okay, Healthy Wealthy Mums is, um, it is now December 2016. And yes, yes, Healthy Wealthy Mums has been registered. It is going to be a service sharing information for um, mums in their 40s who are looking at sort of change. There's, we go through the stage where we're so busy with our kids when they're younger Mm -hmm. and but by the time you hit your 40s, the kids are a little bit more independent. I've had mums who tell me that they're, they're going through another round of feeling like they've they've lost themselves, Yeah. that they've lost their identity because the kids are leaving and it's like, well, what's my role now? Who am I? And, you know, where do I go from here? Because I don't have to be the be all and end all to everybody else. And yeah. And that you do start to need to step back and allow the kids to, you know, develop their own personalities and their own identity. And and it's like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. (laughs) So much reality TV. You do go through a stage (laughs) where you just want to put your feet up and you go, yeah, this is really cool. But no, I can't eat any more chocolate. And I can't, you know, no, this is just annoying me now. When you start throwing marshmallows at the TV because some reality show is annoying you, (laughs) it means that you're actually getting back to yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Healthy Wealthy Mums is basically taking mums through a process of creating their own vision Mm -hmm. of what they want their life to, what they want their next stage of their life to look like and how they're going to spend all this wonderful independence and, Mm -hmm. you know, time and finances and everything that they have for themselves. Yep. Um, And there's lots of mums that this is the next round where they go out and do some study because it's like, you know, they might have had a passion to be a hairdresser or an aromatherapist or I've got a friend who's doing, um, she's studying forensic science oh, of wow. all things. that would be and, interesting. Um, you know, she's always been passionate about it. Mm. So, yeah, she's got the time to go and do that. And then so that's the next juggle. How do you do that without everyone, because teenagers can be quite harsh, like, what are you doing there for, Mum? And <laughs> Um, you know, how do you get through that conversation? And yeah, and also with your partner, like, well, aren't you going to spend some more time with me now? <laughs> like, they just feel like they've gotten us back. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, the kids are off the boob, they're off, you know, you don't they've have to show off. them. And, yeah. Yeah, As- they spend on their own. Absolutely. And where can mums find you online? They can find me um, at, well, the best place to find me is on Facebook yep. at Healthy mums healthy and i will pop that link in the show notes and we've got um, an organizer just to help you capture all that relevant information that you need in your family Mm -hmm. and to help you get organized and also to help you track what's going on with you personally as well because when you do get to your 40s it's where the perimenopause period starts and you seriously think that you're going around the twist sometimes Mm -hmm. because that's 
start to lose your keys or you're just getting grumpy at people for no reason and um, there's little change, very, very subtle changes going on and Mm -hmm. it can feel like that pregnancy fog period again that, you know, just it's like what's – and that's just hormones and there's some fantastic things out there that can actually support us through that and the main one is omega-3s, which we should be having anyway Mm -hmm. and – um, that you know it is it's the oil in the brain engine that just yes. keeps everything going along smoothly yeah so come over and say hello to us over on Facebook excellent if you have any questions about you know what do you do with your child when they are staring you down and doing yeah. things to you that <laughs> like feel free to pm me I'm always up for a chat oh I love and, it um yeah there's um loads and loads of good things out there for mums but yeah, it's mainly trust your instinct. You know what you're doing. Yes. You are the best person to be raising your child. And there yeah. is no teacher or doctor or expert out there that knows your child better than you. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so, so, so much for talking to us. I, I really appreciate it. I've learned lots. There was one more thing I was going to actually ask you. The lock and lock containers, is that what they were called? Because I just want to pop them in the show notes because I'm always looking for good containers to freeze meals in as well. So and I know other people are. Okay. Lock and lock. Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep, there's that TV shopping channel, TVSN. Yep. I think it's tvsn.com.au. Yep. Um, when I had my back injury, I used to watch a bit of shopping channel. <laughs> Like Love a, it. That, that was when I started throwing marshmallows at the TV. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I love the kitchen appliances and the stuff that they have on there. So, um, yeah, they have the lock and lock packages. Yep. So just keep an eye out and, yeah, use your ice cream containers and stuff until you really need them. Um, but, yeah, you can get them online in different places. But look to where you can actually buy them in bulk mm-hmm. because you can sometimes pick them up for the equivalent of $1 or $2 for a container, whereas the retail price of them can any, be anywhere between 4 and $16 oh, for wow. one of them. So it's best to um, sort of try and keep around. track of them. Yeah, cool. Uh, All right. Well, I'll take ones are really good too, like the ones that you get at Woolies and things. And again, keep an eye out for when they have specials. I think the one thing that I have done to save money is, and this is where the organiser can help, is that you keep, you set a price of how much you're going to pay for your basics. Mm -hmm. Like my kids know I don't buy grapes unless they're $6.99 or less. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. They, my littlest one will, because she's the fruit bat, she will run into the supermarket and go and check and see what the price is and she either comes back with this dishevelled look on her face, like she's quite happy to eat every single piece of fruit under the sun, but she knows that's what the limit is on that and I won't buy the big four-litre ice creams unless they're less than $7. And little things like that, if you and they come up on a frequent basis. Yep. So it means if you know that this is actually happening, you keep a record of it and see sort of what's going on. And just, you know, even keeping a mental a mental track of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you can keep That's costs and things low. And it's the same as with the storage things. It's usually the late October they'll usually come up with a big special and then again in January that Perfect. there'll be a, a special on storage because everyone's going through doing their declutter, getting After ready Christmas for the school. new year. And, 
Love yeah, it. and just set yourself a standard of what you're actually going to be paying for things. That's and a that's great tip. the way that you end up saving money in the long term. Yep, and everyone's up for saving money. I don't know a mum who isn't. <laughs> Thank you again. I will pop all of those in the show notes, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today, Marina. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's been fun. Pleasure. It has been fun. Thank you. For more inspiration, interviews, recipes, tips and tricks to help you thrive in this crazy mess we call motherhood, head to wellnessmummy.com. Thanks for joining me. 